are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Monday. Thanks for tuning in to our first full week of work of 2018. You guys ready? Yeah. Are you in work shape? Yeah, I will. You tell me. How do I look? How do I sound? Well, the good news is the audience of this program is already accustomed to certain standards of mediocrity that mm-hmm. I'm not sure Todd and Aaron, they would know the difference if we're <laughs> not up to it. It's true. Right? How would they know? They wouldn't. Could get away with it. You know, like I finally got my wife to stop asking me, what's with that look on your face, right? That was the, that was the big thing in 2017. She used to ask me all the time, what's with that look on your face? I think I've told you guys this before. My, my typical response was what? That's just my face. That's just my face. It's what I'm packing now. It's what I bring to the table. I'm, you know, so midlife crisis guy. This is me. Just accepted it then? I think she has just accepted that... Uh, her, her plight is to look at this. This is just my face for the rest of her forlorn years. Yes, I think she's just, I've grounded her down, grinded her down now into accepting my mediocrity for what it is. And I think we've done that to this audience, which is why if we're not up to doing a full five day work week for the first time in about a month because of the holidays, I don't know that anybody's going to tell a difference. That's both good news. It's good news now. Probably bad news later in the year when your contract is up, maybe. We'll see. See, I'm feeling pretty good and ready to tackle this thing, but Aaron and I have talked uh, off air last week that uh, had we not been doing our seven deadly worldviews and we were talking about what's passing as the actual news right now, I I might have, I just, I can't speak for the sadness of my mind or body. Would you have tapped out? very likely could have happened already. 2018 is, I'm, I'm already right. You know it's January 8th. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is why my confidence, I'm just so, 2018, I won't, even, I, won't, I won't say what the issue was. I came in here this morning, I gave a quick hot take on what the number one issue trending is right now before I could finish it. Todd, I don't care. I don't care. Is that not what happened, Aaron? Yes, it is. Multiple times. The, and it's fun not to care. The problem is we're in the caring business. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little tricky. It's so, a razor's edge. So when we're done with this series, apparently we're just going to be those two guys from the Muppets sitting up in the balcony, <laughs> watching the watching the show take place on down beneath us as we sneer at it. Uh, you know, every single podcast. Is that kind of where you want to go next? If there's a paycheck, sure. If there's an audience for it, yes. Statler and Waldorf. It's the name of those guys. I didn't know that. Yep. Nice poll. You didn't know that? I never, I never wow. knew their names. You know what really bugged me is back in the day when The Muppet Show was originally on, I really, I only could watch it in summer reruns. You know, back in those days, you didn't necessarily have a TV in every room like you do now. Cable was still kind of an acquired thing. And it was always on that and Buck Rogers. I think we're on the same night as The Waltons. And we always had to watch The Waltons. Wow. Yeah, I was pretty upset and then when i got older i started watching the waltons and reruns and i'm like this show is actually pretty good we weren't you know? regular waltons people we watched them up you watch them yeah your family must have loved you more 
Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. D-E-A-C-E is how to spell the last name. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Don't forget, we love when you subscribe here on uh, on iTunes or on Stitcher. And we love it even more if you leave us a positive review. I'm telling you, because we're consumers too. When you're looking for something new, and you know, are you more inclined to click on something if there's a whole bunch of reviews? Uh, if it looks like it's kind of brand new, right? Huh? You know, you don't you don't ever want to be the first or the last to find something that you like. That's typically how it works. You know, you want someone else to try it first, see if it's not any good, and then you don't want to get on board by the time that everybody's already figured out that it's past its prime. So, if you could help us get the word out, you know what could help us. Not just posting links on your social media, which we appreciate, but if you like our stuff, write a positive review on iTunes or Stitcher. Now, if you don't like us, don't lie. Just maybe keep that to yourself. Okay. If you do like us, though, we would greatly appreciate it if you would take a, a few minutes and write us a positive review there on your podcasting platform of choice. Of course, we also just finished up uh, today's show for CRTV.com, which you can access by using my name as a promo code if you're not yet a CRTV subscriber. And we've got all kinds of new shows coming, uh, Andrew Wilkow and others coming uh, to the, the channel uh, this year alongside the great one Mark Levin and Phil Robertson of Duck Dynasty fame and ourselves and the whole team here at CRTV.com. So CRTV.com promo code DACE to get all of the shows that we produce each and every day here via CRTV. And we are now at the turning point of our opening year series on the seven deadly worldviews. Looking at the seven worldviews that are the most in competition with the Judeo-Christian worldview for the hearts and minds of the American people. And so far, as we talked about on the TV show today, we have looked at three worldviews that are at the heart of the human condition at any time, in any place, in any culture or custom. We are, we are attracted to the hidden secret knowledge, even if it's fake news, we want to believe it. Uh, we are, uh, and, and I mean, that's at the heart of every pagan mystical religion that's ever existed on earth. And there's been pagan mysticism on earth longer than there's been Judeo-Christianity on planet earth. And then this notion of putting our own thoughts and our own traditions and our own hot takes and opinions on an equal or higher playing field than, than God's revealed truth, the legalism, that has existed in all times and all places amongst all peoples as well. Even the dualism we talked about. On Friday, the, the ancient notion that we're all one in the circle of life and that there isn't a holy, righteous God that is separate from our sinfulness, but the material and spiritual world are really interconnected, that has long existed throughout the course of time and space as well. That goes back to Babel. What we're going to describe today, though, and what we got into in more depth on the TV show, remember the TV show sets the foundation. We apply the application here on the podcast, so they're really meant to, to watch and listen to together. Darwinism is our turning point for our culture. This is now, gentlemen, where we move from deadly worldviews that have been driving a stake through the human heart long before. American exceptionalism was a gleam in the creator's eye, okay? Long before we could even conceive as a species of such a thing, as a, as a free, independent 13 states. Those other three worldviews existed, but this one is now where we get to the four that are uniquely challenging the American heart and the American mind. And it begins with Darwinism. 
which provides the necessary creation myth that any religion needs. Well, Steve, Darwinism is not a religion, it's a science. Oh, it's a religion. That's why we're not talking about evolution today. We're talking about Darwinism, different things. What do I mean? Evolution is a scientific theory to which there is some evidence for in some extents and not in others, but that's a topic for another show. Darwinism is its philosophical application where we so desire to promote the religion of self, we will not entertain any scientific inquiry to the contrary. It's dogmatic, it has its own inquisition, and it will be strictly enforced. That's what we're talking about here today. Because I need to, I must believe I come from nothing so that I can give my conscience permission to believe, therefore, anything I want at that point in time. Particularly as it pertains to my zipper and my wallet. And Darwinism comes along and says, permission granted. And it is the gateway drug, if you will, to what the next three worldviews will finish this series with this week would not be possible. The other three existed, pre-existed Darwin, and long after, long after Darwin is gone, we will wrestle with those three, and, and his theories are gone because he's been gone for 200 years. Long after his theories are gone, those three we've already talked about, we will wrestle with until Jesus returns to culminate history. But our culture is uniquely threatened by the next four, beginning with this one in Darwinism. And we got into on the television show how it has infested academia, science, etc. I want to open up, gentlemen, the podcast portion of this by showing a more subtle way. It has infested the culture and changed who we are. You guys down for that? Yes. Sure. Todd, would you, you for you and I's generation and the generation ahead of us, the Eagles are one of the greatest American rock bands of all time. Yeah. Uh, it, it's undisputed. Agreed? I think so. When you look at record sales, popularity, concert sales, they're the quintessential American rock Definitely. band. Definitely. Well, definitely top 10, arguably top five, and some and many people would say, you know, the greatest. Right. I mean, they're not the Beatles, but the Beatles weren't an American rock right. band. No, no. They're not the Rolling Stones, but neither were the yeah. Stones. They're not U2, but neither is U2. In, in terms of our own, then the blending of, of, of some gospel and Southern sure. rock, and well, they kind of created this, and, 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 and well, not Southern rock, but they blended Southern rock, some gospel sound, um, you know, some country music, and with sort of this... West Coast laid back persona. I mean, it was a harmonic convergence in American pop music in the in the seventies. One of the quintessential Eagle songs is "Peaceful Easy Feeling." It's a seduction song. I want to read the lyrics. I like the way your sparkling earrings lay against your skin so brown. And I want to sleep with you in the desert tonight with a million stars all around. I got a peaceful, easy feeling, and I know you won't let me down because I'm already standing on the ground. Meaning that his relationship with this woman is his foundation. So Glenn Fry is singing about here. Now, is this entirely humanistic? Of course it is. It continues. And I found out a long time ago what a woman can do to your soul. She can take you any way you don't already know how to go. Now there is some form of a metaphysical connection here. All right, so 
does he physically desire her? He's already clearly communicated that. But the physical desire that he has for her, the attraction he has for her, in and of itself is not a means to an end. It is the culmination of why he desires her, why he wants that connection. She's literally changed him. She's, she's changed what he thinks about himself. Dare I say two shall become one? In and there, there is. Yeah, we start off with, uh, dude, you're hot. Let's do this thing. To now we're moving on to a metaphysical connection. You're exactly right. Something, something cosmic is happening here um, that goes back to why there's a birds and a bees in the first place. Why we don't swim upstream to spawn like salmon but why we shed our clothes, why we are naked and afraid and unashamed and hyper-vulnerable with one another. At, at, you can't be more intimate than at this sort of a moment. That, that's what separates us from the animals, despite what Darwin thinks. I'll con- I could continue, but, but you know, by now he goes into, I've known you as a lover and a friend. I think we've kind of set the tone here, right? Now, these were largely the hookup songs you and I grew up with, and we were largely surrounded by this kind of music, right? Sure. I want to share another song with you. This is what Aaron, this is what your generation has grown up with. Ha ha, well now, we call this the act of mating, but there are several other very important differences between human beings and animals that you should know about. I'd appreciate your input. Sweat baby, sweat baby, sex is a Texas drought. Me and you do the kind of stuff that only Prince would sing about. So put your hands down my pants, and I bet you'll feel the nuts. Yes, I'm Siskel. Yes, I'm Ebert. And you're getting two thumbs up. And he goes on and on to sing. And what's what's the punchline of this song? We move from a peaceful, easy feeling, the contentment I have from this relationship with you. Now, we could argue that from the previous Eagle song, as, as much as God desires for man and woman to come together, that, that, that's not going to be your ultimate source of contentment. And when you go into a relationship believing that, you're going to get disappointed when you find out the other side of the species is every bit the center that you are, right? But at least there's a seeking of some of that metaphysical in that song. Is there any of that in this song, Aaron? No. No. And therefore, when we get to the chorus, we move from a peaceful, easy feeling to what? You and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals. So let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. I would argue, Aaron, that is a subtle way that often goes unnoticed of how Darwinism has infested the culture in total. Your thoughts? Yeah, and I don't think that um, it, somebody somebody's probably going to write us right now and say, "Well, that song's just uh, tongue in cheek," and um, you know, I don't see people going around you know acting like that, just saying, "Hey, I'm a, I believe in evolution. Let's hook up." But the subtlety comes when you ask the question, "What's wrong about that song?" Mm-hmm. And then that's a totally different story. Because I don't think many people at all in our culture at large would be able to give an answer of what's wrong with that. What's wrong with those lyrics? Uh, Because of how pervasive Darwinism really is. They can't say anything different. They can't make a morality claim if they actually 
uh, if, if they actually believe in Darwinism, because Darwinism gets rid of all morality. They can't tell you what's wrong with that. And that's where the subtlety comes. Well, they can't effectively, but they'll try. It just oh, happened yeah. last night on the Golden Globes, this whatever we'll the new movement is. Yes, yes. Where, where does, you know, the, this, the, the intensity come from to sit up there and draw the moral line like that and, when and, this has been the muse right. for how long tell me why what tell me by what standard harvey weinstein did is wrong that's what i've been saying yes all months. harvey weinstein said was i i'm a man i'm bigger and stronger and he's a, and he's a big guy okay bigger guy i'm a, so i'm a bigger stronger guy i'm more powerful i have positions of power i am the predator you little 19 20 21 year old pretty girl just fresh off a bus or off an airplane coming out here to hollywood to make your fortune you are the prey all he did was instinctively follow through on a darwinian ethic explain to me why that's not what he did by what standard could harvey weinstein not be a fulfillment of survival of the fittest natural selection he was the dominant aspect of the of the ecosystem in Hollywood. He could get you where you wanted to go, and he could physically dominate most of the women that weren't interested in letting him be their muse or their guide. Uh, by by what those of you that subscribe to an evolutionary mindset or a Darwinian mindset, tell me by what standard Harvey Weinstein is the villain here and not essentially the fulfillment. Well, and along those lines. Why isn't he living according to the mantras of uh, evolutionary brethren? Why isn't he just living his truth here? Why isn't this just yeah. love is love? Right. I don't get it. That, I mean, that's what Oprah was calling for last night. Share, tell your truth. Yes. Harvey Weinstein was doing that. My truth is I get to get off and you get me off because I'm bigger than you, I'm richer than you, and I'm more powerful than you. And if you want access to what, I'm, to what I have, you have to give me what I want. Why is that any different than any transactional process that occurs in the animal kingdom, in any phylum, any given yes. day in the ecosystem? Why is that any different? It is only different if Darwinism is not true, if we have souls. If there is a transcendent right or wrong, if we are created in the image of something bigger and holier than ourselves, only then is it not true. No one, there's never, no lion has ever come back to the pride and been shunned by the pride because he annihilated and mauled and killed too many antelope that day. No lions ever returned back to the pride and had another lion look at them and say, you already took down three antelope. You, you're so gluttonous, you're puking up their remains and feeding the puke to your children, which lions, by the way, do. All right. You had to, th then this fourth one came along with a, with, that was injured. You weren't, you, don't, you weren't even hungry. You can't eat again for three days. Why'd you take him down too? Has that, has that conversation ever occurred in a pride of lions ever in the history. In fact, I'll go by your Darwinian definition. In the millions of years that lions and their antecedents have lived on this pale blue dot, has that conversation ever taken place? No, because you know what? No conversation amongst such species has ever taken place, particularly one of any ethical value whatsoever. So again, I ask, by what standard? Harvey Weinstein, 14 Academy Awards, the most powerful producer in Hollywood, the king of the jungle. Tell me by what standard what he did is wrong. Tell me. 
I'm sure Oprah is going to be packaging that uh, for your public consumption soon. Very soon. But that's, that's where we are at. The ultimate goal of Darwinism is to remove us from any divine accountability. And even the way, and I would argue, going back to what Aaron said, Aaron, we are fulfilling this song. Look at the hookup sites, mm-hmm. which people keep signing me up for because you think it's a prank. Look at the, look at the what is it, Tinder? Yeah. 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 Tinder, Grinders, another one, right? The amount, that's exactly what we're doing. That is exactly what we're doing. So we, we, this argument that I just picked a song, a lyric, I picked a, I created a red herring, straw man, in order to make my point. No, right. That's just, what that song is singing is the point of the of of what the culture has largely become today. Yeah. Colleges offering courses on what is and what is not consent. Sign contracts. Like this is just a transaction. You give me your bodily fluids, I'll give you mine. Yes. Nothing else is occurring here. Science, Steve. Well, that seems to me like that's philosophy. Science moves to philosophy when you go from telling me we are... That the, sci- that the biological act is the exchange of bodily fluids to when you tell me the ethical act is the exchange of bodily fluids. That's what one is a science, Todd, and one is a philosophy. Yep. Evolution may be a science. Darwinism is a philosophy. Indeed. But the degree to which they believe, they, and many would justify... Uh, Tinder, uh, sites like Tinder, based on, hey, this is just two people taking care of their their needs. It can be an entirely neutral endeavor other than that. The, the simple truth of the fact is, and this is where it projects itself beyond uh, science into ethics, is that the actual science shows just the opposite my my wife uh has done research on this a the female uh uh, gives forth a hormone the exact same hormone that bonds three times in her life when she has a child during the act of childbirth when she's breastfeeding and when she is having sex a very powerful hormone is made all three times bonding to either child or husband, which is why there is no scientific way then you can just have this neutral Tinder exchange. And therefore, once you break, the, the, once you appreciate that scientific fact, then it's why we get into the realm of philosophy and spirituality because the brokenness that can't help but occur from the lie that is being peddled in the name of Dharma. When we act like animals, that's actually the best part of the deal. We're lucky then. Then we devolve into something below animals. We are utterly broken uh, because we, uh, we, we abuse that which is holy and, and turn it into something that destroys souls. I mean, I can speak from my own perspective on this. I, I you know, I, I, I'm from the firstborn generation of the sexual revolution. 
I was not a virgin on my wedding night, and neither was my wife. We we met in an AOL chat room before there were Tinders and Grinders, but they were there for the reason of hooking up. I had no intention of being uh, a homeschool dad, you know, living in Iowa, having this conversation. Um, 22 years after my wife and I first hung, hooked up from a dial-up modem AOL, you know, Tinder-like right. chat room. Go to Nineveh, see, eh, well, I got this chat yeah, room. This was not, here. I did not think, that's not, that was not the climax I thought we were going to get from that story. Okay. <laughs> well All right. Try the veal. <laughs> yes. Okay. What we meant for evil, God decided to use for good. But you know what? We have... And if Amy was here, she would tell you, honestly. That's why she does the kind of counseling she does now. We have wrestled as a couple with the, the baggage of those, of those hookups and those exchanges and those relationships. We have wrestled with bringing that, with the baggage that those brought into our marriage, the entire course of our marriage. It's impossible not to do that because of the bond that has that took place when you thought you were just having a biological reaction you were just getting off more was happening there and and my wife would tell you as, as someone who counsels couples it is it can happen it is rare that a couple feels like they have a sexually fulfilling relationship and it sucks everywhere else very rare why because if you have a sexually fulfilling relationship the intimacy and bonding that you are exposing one another to it's a it's a it's a cycle it both spills over into how more much more empathy and caring and affection you have for your spouse in other areas on the other hand if you have that it's chicken or the egg which i don't who knows which comes which but when you have that caring and affection for that and intimacy with your spouse in that area it also spills into the sexual fulfillment area at the exact same time it is rare to have those things separated talk to men who have affairs most of the time, it's not just about now. There's there's being a if I'm a, there's a guy who just wants to be a predator. That's what Weinstein was. But we're talking a predator is not necessarily an affair. Most guys have affairs not because their wife won't do something for them um, that sexually that they greatly desire, but the affair is to fulfill an emotional hole of something they're not getting at home, and because of because of how sexually driven men are, it just ends up manifesting itself like that. In other words, this is very complicated and very messy. Why is it very complicated and very... You know who it's not very complicated and very messy to? Animals. Animals on the Discovery Channel. Not complicated and messy to them at all. The Every other mammal in the animal kingdom, testicles are swollen, means it's mating season, time for release. Find a female in heat and let's just move on and get, and get that pond far, to use a, a Star Trek reference, time for pond far, and then, we, then the release and we move on. All right, and now it's back to our natural instinct. It's not complicated and messy to them. Why is it complicated and messy to us? Why? We were created in the image and likeness of yeah, God. Because we're not them. Yeah. Because there's more happening here. There's there's more to us than this. And I I would I would envision there's very few people listening to us right now that have not been touched figuratively speaking by what the Darwinian-inspired sexual revolution has done to unravel the culture. And I'm just here to tell you, as someone that is in your camp and married to someone who is in your camp, there is nothing you have done 
five minutes ago that God is not willing to and cannot forgive. And I would like to tell you, I get emails, I've gotten a lot of emails from guys recently about porn, about everything else. I wish I could tell you that there's a point I've reached where I know I am immune to this. I am not immune. That's why I'm taught, that's why I'm so open about it. Accountability, encouragement, honesty. Let me tell you where, where you, when, I can promise you, this is when you're the most vulnerable, when there's an absence of those things. That's when you're the most vulnerable. But you'd be like gods then. Yes. I, I think we need to be much more open and honest and encouraging and merciful with one another where this is concerned because it has devastated almost every family and every household in our culture to some degree. Even, even, if, even, if, you're, even if your family's response was, well, we just never talked about sex at all. Well, then you had an, God bless Augustine, but you had an Augustinian response. You know, Augustine's response to coming out of a sex cult is to essentially invent Victorian prudity. Um, that's not the right response either. We're back to the legalism we talked about a couple of episodes ago. Correct. So, I mean, if, if, if you're not talking, if your family didn't talk to you about this at all, well then, A, you're a mark. Number two, I'm, good luck with all the various temptations that we aren't people that are married in a wilderness with traveling preachers and the next human civilization might be a settlement 20 miles away that's a three-day walk so even if i want to get my adultery on the the circumstances and there's a bunch of red-skinned uh people whose land i'm invading between me and the next settlement so even if i would like to get my adultery on i don't i'm, I'm in the 1870 prairie i don't have a smartphone i don't have an app i don't have a, you know an internet browser and so even if i had those desires in my heart my ability is limited to act upon them right yes okay we don't live in that day and age today your ability to act upon them is the most abundant it's ever been the sexual dysfunction and depravity that primarily used to be um replete with the upper classes because you could afford you could afford a harem you could afford concubines the 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 working classes could barely afford the dowry for the wife that they actually got so they weren't they didn't have the financial wherewithal to indulge their 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 depravity now we do in, in ways we've never had before. And, and so if, you, if we're not communicating this, one, you're vulnerable, even because you're waiting to get picked off. And secondly, good luck in, with the amount of temptation in this culture. Good luck having a successful marriage without having a sexually fulfilling one. You might have been able to do it 70, 80, 100 years ago. You can't, I, I, I would venture to guess the odds of doing that today are infinitesimal, microscopic, because there's so many other places available to you for sexual gratification only if you do not have that fulfillment in your own home. And so the idea that the answer, our antidote to what has transpired here is to not talk about it at all and hide from it. I don't think that's going to play either. I, I don't think prudity works any more than licentiousness does. In fact, you're probably inventing for future people that will fall prey to licentiousness because you're out of balance where that's concerned as well, Todd. 
I don't have sons. You have one, but you know, my wife have had uh, conversations about this as well. The minute you hit puberty and the combination of the things you may have been noticing already in terms of differences, and now you're feeling it at that biological level. And again, with all of the in-your-face temptation that there is these days, uh, it's really been interesting for her. Uh, and this is where it's in this day and age, again, we just got to, I mentioned uh, the Golden Globes and where we are with this Me Too stuff and things like that. But to to understand that, you know, okay, men don't be pigs, amen. But it is like, I remember being that age, and as Steve just said, it's it's not like we grow up and we grow out of it to some extent. We just hopefully uh, be have something that we are are called to serve more uh, more highly and robustly than that. But it is instantly like ready aim fire. I mean, you are just taking bullets for the rest of your life in many respects. And I'm not saying I, I'm not a victim of anything, no. but I'm just. And it was instructive for her because she, again, talking about the trust you can have as man and woman, then just say, listen, this is like what I'm trying to describe exactly what it feels like on my end Mm -hmm. to want you and beyond that for good and, you know, decent men, what it's like for them to like women and why you, my spouse, are just for all kinds of reasons. But for that one is just it, it. it's hard to find the words to put to help the opposite sex in this day and age understand how broken this sexual commerce is we have i mean it is so utterly i i can't i mean what you have even within a christian home to raise a young man to go out and face where i mean look how hard it was for you and i i know and I've got daughters too. Well, yeah, and, and they're the ones. And I've I've got a six, I've got a sixteen yes. year old daughter, and and luckily her persona is a lot like me, so she takes to brutal honesty very well. And we have literally had this con. It's, it's the it's the main reason why, and I've talked about this before too. It's the main reason why we didn't let her date till she turned sixteen, yeah. because we wanted her on an even playing field with the boy she would see. Meaning, she wasn't going to be in some guy's car. And things get out of hand, and suddenly she's like, "We can't do this," and. He lacks self-control, and then she feels like she has to give in to something she's not ready for because this it's just something as simple as this is her ride home and she has nowhere else to go. No, you're not going to be unevenly yoked in that situation. No going in that even the good boys are little sperm-making factories. And that's, that's at a biological level, that's what they are. Now, their ability to practice self-control is their responsibility. Your responsibility is to do your best to not put yourself in a position where you are vulnerable if they choose not to. So, Aaron, how do, how do you navigate this Darwinian world where at the same time, a se- well, you're seeing somebody seriously, mm-hmm. okay? But, you know... F- you're technically still single. Mm-hmm. So there's this exp- so you live in a culture that says, "Hey, uh, you know, um, do it like we do it on the Discovery Channel, and then when you do though, we might call you a predator and a fiend and everywhere everything else." There are so many conflicting messages guys like you and your age group are getting, and so many guys are just choosing to say, "I'm not even going to do this anymore." Yep. I I mean that I mean the average age of a male that is married for the first time in America is the highest it's ever been. I believe it's close to 30. There are more 20-something millennial men living at home 
with their parents right now in America than there are living with a wife and their and the child they sired with her. That's never happened before in American history. It seems like a lot of guys are just deciding, you know what, I don't even want to get involved in the complex complexity of these relationships. The internet's there. I, I, there's there's apps. I can get the gratification I need and just not even open myself up to the the fullness of this experience. That's a big question to, to try to tackle. Um, and of course, as, as you alluded to, if, if you don't really care uh, about this matter at all, you'll just give up and say no, because it is very, very difficult. But if you are striving uh, as, as a Christian, as, as uh, someone who embraces a, a Judeo-Christian worldview, you realize how harmful and hurtful um, you know, this type of unbridled behavior uh, can be, I, I mean, I tell you the way that I do it because I've, you know, it's it's hard for you guys. It's it's hard for every guy. And I think if if a guy says that they don't struggle with this, um, then I think most of the the time they're, they're probably lying or have struggled with it at at some point in time. It takes a lot of accountability, uh, honestly, and specifically that means um, cutting off your um, it, as it pertains to the internet, cutting off your access, especially um, in, in situations where you're at, at home, uh, and being, a, being able to have people around you who are, uh, have permission to be honest with you. Uh, and then it takes, honestly, a lot of uh, getting back up after you've fallen, uh, fallen down. And what falling down looks for some people is maybe you're walking through the mall and you notice someone or something for too long. Maybe that's uh, something like acting out as well. But as a Christian young man, you have to have a lot of accountability and you have to keep picking yourself back up because inevitably, and I'm just speaking for myself, but I think it's I think it's pretty pretty common as you have said a lot of picking yourself up after you've fallen down. Uh, not to say that this is uh, hopeless because it's not, uh, but at the same time, it is just this this issue is so pervasive in our culture that it is um, it's it's going to be almost always a very very tough um, a very very tough road to uh, to go down. But um, I, again, not to discourage anyone, but it just again that that first part of a lot of accountability. That's how you navigate it, really. And it's really interesting. We've even got to the point on uh, that even the hardcore Darwinists know something is wrong, but instead of talking about, well, maybe we need to revisit this marriage thing that you just got talking about, and the fact that you know thirty way, way, way too late. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about on college campuses. You, know, you might need a written contract before you ask to hold somebody's hand or every step. You know, we we keep making the Rube yes. Goldberg machine bigger and bigger, and that's why I said one of the most honest people in this entire debate was uh, Morrissey, the, the former lead singer of the Smiths, when he came to the defense of Harvey Weinstein at all, and this, he's like, you know what, we're, aren't we being a little harsh based on the world we've talked about? I mean, we're introducing gay marriage, we're introducing transgenderism, that's some shaky ground, we got to experiment. The he very same place, honest. the very same award ceremony, they were, sell- they were wearing black yes. and, and demanding Me Too, they were giving an award to a film that positively depicted pederasty. And that what is pederasty? It is the it is a homosexual adult procuring and discipling and luring or just flat out owning teen boys for the purpose of sexual fulfillment. 
it was it was the Catholic abuse scandal, which yes. they kept using the term pedophilia, that which it wasn't. It was pederast. Yeah, pedophi- pedophiles are prepubescents. Those that were attracted to prepubescents. Those who do this with underage postpubescents, that's pederasty. Okay? Um, and that's an example of the disconnect you're talking yes. about. This is why this worldview is the turning point. Yes. Because we talked about this with dualism in the last episode. The reason why we, even though those of us, even those of us with the Judeo-Christian worldview, are so attracted to much to the storytelling of dualism is it begins with our premises. It taps into our DNA pool, transcendence, supernatural heroism, and champion, right? Whether that's a superhero, whether that's the force. It, so we're beginning from the premise of what saves us that we start from. They just want to remove human accountability from the equation, okay? But, but at least they're at least trying to have what we offer the world without what it costs to have it. Darwinism, because it's the religion of self, won't permit that. Because for them to try and say, you know what, I still think your God talk is nuts, but maybe kids are better off when they're born to a married mom and dad would require humility. Humility is the antithesis of Darwinism. Yes. It is verboten. It is not permitted. You know, if you could sum up the preamble of Luther's 95 Theses, it, would, it could probably be summed up with all of the Christian life as a life of repentance. In past eras... The Catholic Church built monasteries where the the men and women who lived in these places primarily modeled a life of what? Repentance. Now, we could maybe argue with the benefit of history. Maybe they took it a little bit too far. But the motivation was to to escape a world of sin in order to live a life of repentance. And that's why they took vows of chastity and vows of poverty. Those were acts of repentance. Darwinism lacks transcendence because it will show no repentance at all. I will not admit I'm wrong about anything. Anything. I will double down. I will triple down. I'll come up with a new ism, a new belief, a new ideology. So instead of, you know what, kids, listen. Maybe you should strongly consider bumping uglies and hitting it with your spouse at the time to escape all of this. No, we're going to offer you contracts on the college campus where you, have, you specifically lay out. We're going to make it more transactional. We're going to make it less metaphysical. We're going to make it more animalistic than it even was before. We're going to take something of ultimate meaning and strip it of even the meaning we even have allowed it to even remain. We'll even take that away. I will not, because the end game is removal of human accountability to anything divine. I will not accept I'm accountable to anything. So the same Oprah Winfrey who last year was kissing Harvey Weinstein on the cheek in photos that are making the rounds in social media. 
can stand up there this this year, one scant year later, and after how many young women and, and, and other lives were destroyed by how many people like Oprah supported this fiend for how many years? And then they will stand up there a year later and presume to lecture the rest of us arrogantly with no humility or remorse at all. Because absent divine accountability, we have no remorse. The only remorse we have is when it's inflicted upon us by another human being. And then another human being only inflicts that remorse upon me if that human being represents something I want. A boss, a spouse, a relationship, etc. And then when I no longer want it, screw you, why do I care what you think? Humility isn't permitted in a Darwinian viewpoint. They don't know what it is. And so this is where the arrogance comes from. When you see our secular friends on the left, and you see the sneering Mika on MSNBC this morning lamenting, all my American friends that go to Paris just say they're embarrassed to claim they're Americans. Where does that come from? It comes from a rejection of divine accountability. That's where it comes from. And I am a law unto myself. I will be like the Most High. And it will give birth to the next three worldviews that will finish our series this week. So, gentlemen, what do we learn here today? Aaron, I'll start with you. Yeah, I learned how, again, with all of these worldviews, they... maybe not equally, but uh, to some degree, are far, far more insidious and far more widespread than I anticipated uh, when before studying them. And that, one, is scary, but two, uh, it makes it a little bit, um, I think it makes all of us hopefully more capable of identifying what the worldviews we're seeing and what people believe and then applying as we do on the TV show and you'll have to watch that applying our three-dimensional thinking to those worldviews so I'm hoping that uh, folks are getting a lot out of this because I know I am as well going through each one of these I mean I've heard all of this before in some degree or another from not only you Steve but others but I am still um, learning and surprised again Uh, with how insidious but yet widespread all of these worldviews, including Darwinism, is. Todd? Uh, I'm just struck talking about, I mean, I I knew, under no illusions about Darwinism, but talking about it in tandem with the other ones, just when Steve used the term, the turning point, absolutely right. You can feel it based on uh, that context because uh, my church, the Catholic Church, uh, talks about uh, other faith systems and it talks about uh, the, the the sympathy that Steve talks about uh, for, for uh, the um, dilemma perhaps other people have put in by uh, going down a certain uh, spiritual road because there are you can understand why they did it there are aspects of truth and thus there are points of departure for conversation but there there isn't one here no this there isn't is a confrontation none. This worldview requires an intervention. 
Oh. This is where you grab a culture by the proverbial yes. throat and say, do you understand? Right. Do you truly understand the breaking point? You, the, the line you're about to cross, the cliff you're about to go over, the hole you're about to dig in the pit you're about to fall into that you cannot dig out from underneath. That's what yeah. you do with an intervention when somebody you love is so far gone, they no longer listen to reason. That's what this worldview requires. Right. And to put it even in a more starker contest, uh, listen, short of the perhaps the, the 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 muslim who is prepared to strap c4 to their chest you know you can have a conversation a philosophical conversation about the various merits of god how he communes with mankind that is possible it does happen but again it is more likely to have that conversation with a fervent Muslim than it than it is with a dogmatic Darwinist. Right, because the fervent Muslim is also seeking after transcendence. Yes. He's also seeking after something moral and, and beyond himself for fulfillment. The Darwinist looks at himself in the mirror and says, I am already fulfilled. I love me, some me. That'll do it for today's podcast. Don't forget to watch the television show today on CRTV to get more on Darwinism as a worldview, part of our Seven Deadly Worldviews series here on CRTV. Promo code DACE at CRTV.com. Steve at Steve Dace Show, or Steve at Steve Dace, forgot my email address. Steve at Steve Dace is the email address at Steve Dace Show is how you can follow us on Twitter. Until tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you. 